Welcome to Master Your Money, the podcast that teaches you how to take control of your hard-earned money all while living your best life. I am your host, Elizabeth Heiza, Chief Marketing Officer at the Barnum Financial Group. I once felt powerless when it came to managing my finances and my attitude follows suit until one day I changed my mindset, built up my knowledge, and put myself back into a financial position of power. And I started this podcast to provide you with the same education and advice that I received on my journey. Now, I want to help you master your money. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Master Your Money. On today's episode, we have my colleague, Greg Walker with us. Greg is the vice president of risk management here at the firm. And what Greg does all day, every day is he works on the risk management side of financial planning. Um, in addition to that, Greg is a Finseca ambassador. He's a member of Finseca, which is a advocacy group for life insurance. Um, um, Finseca focuses on providing financial security for all. In addition to that, if that's not enough, Greg is also on the National Committee for the Regulation of the Index Universal Life AG49. Holy smokes, that means he's really smart. He's really dialed into the risk management business um, and he knows his stuff. So, um, Greg is going to share his good work with us. Greg is going to share his knowledge with us. And Greg is really going to talk about how folks need to think about building a buffer for themselves when it comes to retirement planning. That's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. So, Greg, it is my pleasure and honor to have you here. I'm so excited about this episode with you. Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm very happy to be here. Good. You have to stop and tell us a little bit about what was in your intro. Tell us about Fonseca. Tell us about um, this committee that you're on and, and the work that you do there. Yeah. So Fonseca is a, a life insurance advocacy group. And um, I've been going to their conference now down in D.C. for about six, seven years with obviously a break for COVID. Mm -hmm. um, it was formerly AALU. Um, and we go down and... and honestly lobby through uh, different with different senators and different politicians uh, for the laws of life insurance and, and the taxation of it to not change. Uh, it's pretty funny. We're, we're one of the few people or lobbyists that go into these offices and say, don't change anything on the yes. life insurance taxation, because it is something that does come up in conversation here and there. But just so everybody knows, there's nothing that works right now. But again, go down, lobby for the industry, make sure that our voices are heard because Politicians don't always know everything about the life yes. insurance industry. So we got to yes. make sure our voices are heard. And acting on the voice of the consumer. Exactly. All the clients, exactly. the hundreds of thousands of clients that we all work exactly. with. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's a lot of what we tell them, you know, and it's not just the ultra high net worth that are just looking to make sure they're taking care of an estate plan or a very wealthy person. It could just be that, that young family that's, that's starting out mm -hmm. and the way things are set right now are, are, are very good for these families and, and making sure that if something does happen, that their family would be okay. Yeah. And you want, you want to keep it that way. Exactly. You want to make sure exactly. that, that again, that you can provide <laughs> that financial security for all. Exactly. I yep. love that. That's amazing, Greg. Thank you for all the work you do there. Love to do it. Tell us about what you do for the clients of Barnum Financial Group. What does it mean to to incorporate risk management into that financial planning space? 
Yeah. So obviously risk management is a very broad spectrum of things that can fall under that umbrella. I mainly work in the life insurance space and and long-term care space. Mm -hmm. And really for the clients we work with, again, from the very basics of God forbid something happens, I want to make sure their young families are protected, making sure that if they put a retirement plan in place with one of our financial planners, that God forbid their income isn't there or something happens that the plan is still Mm self-fulfilling. So naturally on the risk management side, we're more on the protection and making sure that all the other good work that you're doing to get to a certain goal, retirement, college, buy a second home, first home, whatever it may be, can, we can make sure that that actually happens. Um, whether or not you're able to earn the income or not. So the foundation, if you will, Elizabeth, (laughs) I love that. Good. Everybody needs a solid foundation. For sure. But making sure, I think you do a lot of educating. A lot of educating. And there's a lot that people do not know about life insurance and about risk management. And being on the forefront, starting at legislation, you you know a lot more than the average person about this topic. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's it's not just the lack of information or lack of knowledge that's out there, but it's also a lot of misinformation that's yes. out there. And, um, you know, COVID was a blessing and a curse for our industry. And, and I think one of the blessings is that there's so many more videos and there's more content out there for people to see. Mm-hmm. Also, one of the curses is that there's more mm-hmm. videos and more content out there yes. for people to see. People are self exactly. people are self-educating. Exactly. And and look, I think they're great and and a lot of them are very uh sound videos. And yes. but there's also a lot of them that are out there that might not be so so perfect. And It's hard filtering through a lot of that. It it absolutely Um, is hard for the average person to filter through that. And I think a lot, it always depends. I feel like we use that term so often that everything depends on where you are today, what your objectives are, what you value, what you find most important. And I think that's where you play such an important role because you can educate people on where life insurance, risk management, all those strategies can fit into what depends, what people depend on. Exactly. And, and, you know, there's so many different, obviously insurance carriers and insurance products and, and different things that these products do. You know, we always say the product is the easiest part of our job, learning to discover what you're trying to do, how you're looking to do it and and what goals and concerns you have. That's the hard part. And, And once we get through that, the products fit into place because, yeah. you know, even though we hang our hat at one insurance company, we have access to almost the entire industry. So if uh, one particular product doesn't fit from one company or there's a certain underwriting niche at another company, we'll make sure we take advantage of that and, and shop the industry around. I love that. And to, to that point, nothing that nothing that you do is standalone. Every, every product, every strategy should fit within a long-term plan. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, there's so many ways to go about structuring products and, and designing them for different things. And we might use the same product for five different clients, structuring it all completely different, have different goals and and they serve different purposes, but it's finding out exactly at the root, what are we looking to do and and why are we looking to do it? Yeah. And I say to clients all the time, I say, look, I'm here to talk about your life insurance and, and this side of the protection space but I'm not here to sell you a life insurance policy. I'm here to make sure that the insurance conversation we're having fits within your overall financial plan and that it's not just shooting from the hip and saying, hey, here's four or five options, take your pick. It's no, let's see why and and how this works with your plan and ultimately what kind of flexibility it has down the road as well. I love that. How do people typically react to that type of conversation? 
interesting question, Elizabeth. We get a, a range of reactions. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that say, I saw this video and yeah. this, this video is, is, is gold and then the Bible here yes. and then that's it. Um, and there's other people that are, you know, I saw something out there. I'm looking for confirmation and making sure it's, you know, Got what it. we're looking at yeah. is correct. So they want you to validate. Exactly. So always looking, always have to validate. And, and I say to everybody I talk to, I'm like, we're going to go through high level, a lot of strategies, but the fine print of these things are the most important, important part of this. Yeah. Cause that's what people don't talk about. Yeah. So, you know, People, a lot of times people, agents, advisors will talk about the positives of a product or, or how it works in, in one particular way, but not get into the nitty gritty. And with insurance, you kind of have those to. Details, you, you those have details to. matter. Exactly. exactly. Those details they matter. They really, really matter. Yeah. But it seems as though um, people are open. The, the majority of the, uh, who you're speaking with is open to the concept okay. of incorporating risk management. It's just which strategy to incorporate it and how to maximize exactly. possibly something that they already have. Exactly. And, and you know, it's we've been seeing... I, at least I've been seeing more and more engagement from the general public versus advisors reaching out to, to clients, yeah. which obviously still happens, sure. but, but we've been seeing a lot more inbound calls and a lot more uh, people that are actually seeking the advice. So, yes. you know, whether these videos out there are the best or not that yes. great or work, it's still driving, it's uh, driving people towards people. the industry. And listen, I think we all love an educated consumer. Yeah. It's great when people come with a framework of yeah. here's what I know, here's what I think I know. And then we, and then you get to fill in the blank with your expertise. That's smart. Yeah, exactly. And we're, we look to have a conversation and even after the first time we meet, we'll come back with some recommendations or, you know, maybe continue that conversation, but we'll say we come back with recommendations and I'll always say, you know, Elizabeth, I, I know we got to know you last time, but that, that was a 45 minute conversation. Yeah. We may have missed something. Yes. Something may have changed. Yes. You know, we might not have hit every single nail on the head. Yes. So what we're going over today, it, it might change for our next yes. meeting, but I just want feedback from you. I yeah. want to make sure that what I'm showing you is, is accurate. And, and I did hear you correctly. Yeah. Um, or if there is something that we missed, fine, but let's take another week to do this. It, yeah. It's a huge decision and, huge and decision. we don't want to rush these decisions. And there's no, there's no reason. Right. There's you want to make sure you have the coverage you need and the plan exactly. you need, but it needs to fit with exactly. where you're going. Exactly. Well, that's amazing. But speaking of uh, being smart and speaking of doing the right thing, I heard you speak at an event and you just did you and a colleague of yours just did an amazing job talking about building a buffer, yeah. um, building a buffer within your retirement plan. And I just thought it was fabulous. And that's what motivated me to bring you on the show today, because I know our listeners have to hear this yeah. strategy and there's no better person to explain it. So can you talk about that? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's um, building a buffer. It, it's a, in my opinion, a strategy that's not talked about enough, or if it is talked about, it's very speculative in some cases or for some clients, because to our previous point, it, it, the education is not always there. Mm -hmm. So what is it? it? It's part of retirement planning and it's carving off a, a portion of your savings each year, each month, however you save to build an asset class that is a non-correlated market asset. And what that means is an asset class that doesn't move in the same directions as the stock market and, and going up and down. We know we need to be in the stock market for that upside yes. potential. Yeah. Obviously, as long as you're, you're willing to yes. take the risk. Yes. And um, and and it's proven over time that it works and, and we need to outpace inflation and make sure we keep up with our growing expenses and, and everything else. But we also need to protect against those down years in, yes. in, in the stock market and in retirement the earlier that might happen, the more impact that could have on the 
longevity of your dollars. Yep. So uh, uh, to simplify, because I'm not as smart as you are, Greg, we are not putting all of our eggs in one basket, right? Exactly. This concepts it's it's part of it's it's essentially part of asset allocation. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. You're you're just diversifying where you're putting your money, so you're not tied to one thing. Exactly. And and you know we talk a lot about accumulation versus decumulation in the financial planning process. And when we speak with clients, a lot of times we're talking about the accumulation process. We're getting them started, getting them towards that retirement or towards that goal that they're looking to, to attain. And I'll ask you, you know, would you rather get a 5% rate of return or a seven? Seven. Seven, of course. Yes. Everybody would. Everybody yes. would. So during the accumulation, we're I'm always- I'm smart enough to see know that, that, Greg. Exactly. So we, we always want as much rate of return as we can during accumulation. It makes sense. I do too. But- we also, when we get to the decumulation process, as much as we still want to get as much return as we can, we tend to get a little bit more conservative, right? Towards retirement, we don't need to take as much risk. But what we've learned over the last 20, 25 years is that these, these long-term market cycles of big market crashes yeah. are becoming more short-term market cycles. Yeah. Saw it in 2002, we saw it in 2008. Yeah, they're happening more often, they're happening. but they're shorter. Exactly, exactly. But they're still just as severe, if not more sure. severe. If, especially if you're planning on retiring that year. Exactly. So, you know, I, I say to people all the time, I'm like, yeah, 2008, I, I actually, it actually helped me, yeah. right? And I hate to even say that, but Heck. it's, and I'm not saying that I wanted it to, but I, that's when I graduated college. Yes. That's when I started investing yes. money. So I just got lucky that yes. that's when I happened to graduate. Yeah. So it's investing at the bottom. Uh, but the people that were most impacted by it were the people that retired in 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009. Because mm -hmm. the earlier you see a big market downturn during your retirement years, the more impact that that has on the longevity of your dollars. Mm -hmm. So there's been a couple uh, different studies out there, some by some big mutual fund companies, others by um, actually some accounting firms, which is great that it's mm -hmm. not even in our industry that goes through this sequence of returns risk and, and why it's an important thing to look at and, and be concerned about. Because when we're accumulating dollars, if we have three different portfolios, as long as they average the same return over the same time frame, it doesn't matter how we get our return. Whether it's negative seven, positive 14, negative seven, positive 14, or a straight seven, sure. we end up with the same amount of money sure. during the accumulation. But then we start taking money out, that's where these downturns will have a huge impact. Uh, not to interrupt you, but can yeah. you back up sure. for one second? I get excited, Elizabeth. I, you sometimes got I love it. Greg. Oh, Greg, I love it. I love it. Everyone loves it. But can you slow down for one sec? Yeah. And, and can we break down the accumulation phase sure. and the decumulation phase? Can you go into who is in which phase, what you should be doing in each phase, yeah. and why this matters in each yeah. phase? Perfect. So, the accumulation phase is naturally like how it sounds. We're accumulating assets for retirement, making money, making money. We're trying to make money. We're trying to grow that money. And, and we know that you have to do that over a longer period of time. You should be doing it. You want for, to do you that for as to. long as humanly possible. Yeah. You know, that, that guy, that pretty smart guy, Albert Einstein said, heard uh, of him. You heard of him yep. once, know twice, him. Mm -hmm. know him, you know, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Mm -hmm. And, and the biggest thing with compound interest, the one thing you can't control is time. Yes. Time goes and we know we can't go back. Mm -hmm. So compounding one doubles into two, two doubles into four, four into eight, eight mm -hmm. into 16. And those doubles happen bigger and bigger and bigger and As bigger. Time goes. Right. So um, the younger generation of, of, you know, getting out of college into your 30s and 40s, that's definitely a part of the accumulation phase. 
forties into fifties, even into sixties, into that retirement time frame. Yep. Basically, those those people that those uh, individuals that are uh, not in the retirement space yet. I was just yeah. going to say. So yeah. essentially, we're talking about this: the the minute you you know are old enough to start earning an income, and you have regular income that you could set money aside for, yeah. you need to start accumulating. All Definitely. the way up until you retire. Yeah. I'll, Everybody is in that phase. I'll tell you, looking back, I, the first day I started here at Barnum and and graduated college, had a lot of student loan debt, had no money, living with my parents. Sure. All I'm worried about is, all right, I need to start saving some money sure. or I need to start paying down my debt. Yeah. My manager comes over to my desk and he goes, Greg, open up your portal. I'm like, why? He goes, just do it. Go click on 401k and click on 2%. Yes. I'm like, what do you mean? I haven't made a dime yet. Yes. What do you mean save for retirement? Yes. I'm 22 years old. This is yes. insane. He goes, just don't argue with me, do it. And I promise you'll be happy and put this 1% increase on each year. Didn't even notice it was happening. Yeah. And before I knew it, I was actually saving 10%. Yes. So going from two to three to four to five to six and all the way up is a lot easier than going from zero to 10%. 100%. It's you know? so funny not to interrupt you or to digress, but it's so funny you say that because that's exactly how I started saving yeah. for my retirement. Paul, the CEO, I was forced to, yeah. Yes, <laughs> Paul, the CEO, did the exact same yeah. thing to me. Yeah. I didn't even know what I was doing, yeah. but I didn't miss the money. And because I was young and at that time, yep. I didn't have as many expenses as I do now. And I am eternally grateful yeah, really. that I did not miss all those years of compounding. So that uh, that's great. That's great yeah. that we do that. So all everyone who's listening, make sure you have those. Um, make sure you have that faucet turned on for yourself. Exactly. Have to do it. Good. OK, so accumulation is everybody who is working, taking advantage of compounding. So we're yep. accumulating all of our wealth. OK, and talk about the other phase, decumulation. Yeah. So decumulation, naturally, just the opposite. It's we've accumulated all these assets. We've we've saved money just to get to that point of I don't have to show up to work every day. And now it's, that is my income. Now I'm living off of those assets and I, I need to make sure that those assets are going to last, last my lifetime. So we're earning money. Now we're spending. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And you know, you work for 30, 35, 40 years of your life. And going back 30 years ago, you would probably re be retired for you know, 15, 20 years, maybe a little further back than that. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, people are, are retired for just as long as they're working, if not longer. Yes. So protecting those dollars, <clears throat> especially earlier on, is, is super, super important because I don't think people are going to want to go back to work at 88 years old just because we were we weren't uh, set up properly at the yes, beginning of retirement. You didn't have that plan yeah. in place. So how does building a buffer do that? So you're taking um, a portion, a pool of that accumulation mm -hmm. and you're putting it outside of the market. So, so get into some more detail there. Yeah. So um, the concept of building a buffer is it, first off, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not something that is just going to appear. It's ah. something that you want to build up over time. So this isn't a, a strategy to use when you're panicked. Exactly. When you realize that uh, retirement is in the near future. Exactly. When should one start thinking about this or building this process? Yes. I mean, obviously, it's it's everybody that's not retired is, yes. is, the, is the blanket answer. But more realistically or ideally, that, that age 35 to 55 range is, is probably the most ideal for okay. it. But again, doesn't mean that that's sure. the only age range. To, to maximize it, exactly. to get the full benefits yeah. of it. That's the best yeah. spot. Okay. We, we've noticed that 35-year-olds are kind of past that, those, we'll say those partying years yes. and starting to build a family, yes. starting to have income. Well, income, that, yeah. Exactly. Income the income is there. Um, after 55, it, it is definitely still doable. Mm -hmm. Just might have to take a different approach to it. Okay. Um, but in essence, if we're looking to carve off a portion of our savings, 10, 20, 
maybe 30%, but more like probably 15, 20% and put it into an asset class that is never going to get a 25 or 30% rate of return, but it's never going to get a negative rate of return either. So it's, it's an asset that non-correlated with the market. We see the market go up and down. This is just a slow and steady. I like to even say boring rate of return each and every year. There's nothing wrong with slow and steady. I hear that wins the race. The turtle. The turtle. That's pretty so, good. Yes. Yeah, so there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with right. that, right? If you have the time. If you have the time. And mm-hmm. and the other part is, you know, we're not looking to over allocate into this no. and and miss out on a lot of the upside potential of that, that we know the stock market could give us. Yeah. Um, but there's again many studies out there, one more recently by a I mentioned it before, a big accounting firm that did a, a study on 35-year-olds, 45 and 55-year-olds. Yep. And what they did was they took different, uh, these different clients and said, what if one of them just had investments only, yep. no buffers. The second client had uh, a 10% buffer. The third client had a 20% and the third client had a 30% buffer. Yep. So there is another part of, of the article that I'm not going to get too, too much into right now. Um, but basically the overall analysis from it was between the 20 and 30% savings into a buffer, even going back to the 35 year old. Because again, most of the younger people are thinking growth, 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 yes. growth, maximize, maximize, this, yep. right? Which, yes, you do want to do. But carving off 20 or 30% ended up giving those clients not only more retirement income per year than the investment only strategy, but they had more peace of mind. They had more freedoms not to worry because they had this buffer there. So the emotional side of it, mm-hmm. and they ended up leaving more money to their heirs. So more income. More money left over. Less worry. Less worry. You know, a lot of people think you retire off of the assets that you accumulate, which is true to an extent. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's the income that those assets can de- derive for you yep. to make sure that you have that steady stream of money coming in. Yep. And the growth of those assets. Exactly. Over time. Exactly. Um, and you touched on something really important. The emotional side of, you know, um, we, I, I like to talk a lot about behavioral finance and the psychology of why we yeah. do the things we do, but the emotional side of, of investing and have having all of your money tied up in the market. Um, we've seen firsthand that, that, that is tough for a lot of people that, that yeah. it's ma- tough for a lot of people, it's tough for a lot of people that, that worry, not knowing what mm-hmm. to do, feeling a little bit kind of out of control yeah. in those moments. Yeah, that's really difficult. And this seems to building a buffer should provide some peace of mind against that. Yeah. And and even during the accumulation years, the the way the money grows inside of this and the way it's it's invested is doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So it still is is getting that predictable uh, rate of return and, and, and never losing money. So even during the accumulation years, when we see a big downturn, instead of getting scared, pulling all of your invested money out, because I, I can't let it go down even further. Yes. It's, well, I know I have this chunk yes. here. And for the people that really want to take advantage of it, they could even use that money and invest it into the market at the bottom mm-hmm. and pay back their buffer strategy a few years later. Mm-hmm. So there's the more you're in tune and understand how the buffer bucket works, the more you'll actually take advantage of it, not only in retirement, but throughout your lifetime. Throughout your lifetime, right. exactly. It's not It's not said it and forget it. It's not just, this, it, the money's not going into a black hole. Yes. Uh, not, to be honest, it actually has more flexibility and more access than a, a regular retirement account. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next. I'm curious if you can share examples or strategies yeah. or case studies of where does that pool go? Yeah. 
So uh, we use there, there's a few different uh, ways that you can build this buffer bucket. The one in particular we're talking about today is utilizing a whole life policy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I say the word whole life and, and a lot of times there is a stigma around that word mm-hmm. because of 30, 40 years ago in the industry. Nowadays, these, these products are really structured for the accumulation and, and having the income coming out, um, not as well as the protection. Obviously, we know that the death benefit is there, too. But it's it's a whole life policy that is structured to be paid up over a certain mm-hmm. period of time. Mm-hmm. And that's not a an opinion. That's not a you might be. That's a, on a contractual guaranteed basis. 20 years, you're done. And you know, 65, and you know that done. when you purchase the policy. Correct. Correct. And that's going back to our original conversation in the beginning. That's where we talk about what are you looking to accomplish? What, what are your goals? What are your concerns? Um, you know, just because we're talking to somebody that's 40, we can't just assume that they have 25 years, 26 years until retirement. They might be retiring at 55. Sure. Right. So we want to make sure we structure the products to, to correlate with your goals. Mm-hmm. And the important part of that is it's there's no drag of the policy at all once you're done paying for it. Mm-hmm. There's no extra premiums or anything coming out that's being paid by the policy. It is truly contractually guaranteed. Yep. After off. X amount of years. Correct. You're Correct. done. Correct. And then it's it's building. Is it building value from there? Yeah, it continues. It's building value over the years. And then to be honest, the premium's done. That's really when it starts to grow the most. Yes. Um, so, you know, we typically look to structure something that is paid up at 65 uh, you know, for your yes. traditional retirement sure. time frame um, or, you know, 12, 15 year period, 20 year period. Again, honestly, again, like I said before, product is the easiest part. But knowing that there's different products out there to serve different purposes is the main point of this. And and then during our conversations, we then dig in to see, okay, which of the plethora of products we have that fit within your strategy. Which whole life policy or which. Exactly. So how does that, how does that money grow for folks if it's not tied to the market? Yeah, it's actually pretty interesting. There's, um, there's two portion, there's two basically buckets of money that's inside. Now to you, it looks like just one pool of cash, but in the background of things, there's really two buckets of money. There's one bucket that is based on a guaranteed interest rate. So it's one of the few policies and also investments out there that even in a worst case scenario possible, I could still guarantee that you would have some dollars in the future. I love, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I love okay. that you positioned it that way because not a lot, you don't usually make that correlation with insurance. You yeah. think of it as part of your investment portfolio. No, not not a lot of people do. Um, and again, that's why we like to take the time to educate on yes. the, the why behind it. And, you know, you, you still do need to have a need for the life insurance of in course. some way, shape or form. So you can't just say, oh, I want to use this just for investments. But you know, the death benefit obviously does have a big play in this space. But um, two buckets, I'm sorry. Two buckets. Yes. Two buckets. We have our guaranteed cash value that's growing. And again, depending on the product will depend on the, the guaranteed interest growth rate. Okay. And then there's also a dividend that's similar to a stock dividend, but it, it's a mutual company. So it's all, there are no shareholders, there's policyholders, mm-hmm. and the uh, dividend is paid into your policy. Mm-hmm. And that helps to grow the cash over and above the guarantee. Wow. So um, it's about at the foundation, you have guaranteed cash value growth. Yes. Right? You have a guaranteed yes. investment. Yes. And then that you, also you know of ahead of time. Exactly. Exactly. And not to mention the uh, the dividend has that that they, the carrier pays. So, you know, a lot of these carriers are mainly mutual carriers that that offer these products. Mm-hmm. They've been around since 1850, 1860. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually just heard an interesting uh, fact the other day. Uh, one of the carriers has been paying a dividend 
longer than the light bulb has been invented. No way. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, huh? So it's it's something that we can't guarantee that'll be paid because no dividend is ever guaranteed. Of course. Um, but, but if you look back historically, yeah, chances, are yeah. chances are pretty good. Chances are pretty good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, so that's, is that one way of pooling those funds? Is there, is there other strategies you recommend or is it mostly whole life? And then you, you go from there. Yeah. Well, here at, at Barna, we work in, in teams and, and mm-hmm. each specialist kind of has their own space that, that they work in. Mm-hmm. So when I'm brought in, that's mainly the area that I work on, but mm-hmm. there are other annuity products and either some other investment products out there that can help in the buffer strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, but one kind of portion of this that I, can't believe I forgot to mention, um, not only is this money non-correlated and you have access to it, but you get tax-free distributions. So that's and a big one, I, right? I know I, it's one of the biggest points of this. We were, and one we, of the reasons we why so we look engaged. at it. Yes. I um, forgot about that. So it, it, they're tax-free distributions. So we, we talk about diversification. We talk about mm-hmm. saving money. We talk about investments and products and things to, to utilize. But there's also tax diversification as well. Yeah, there's tax strategies. Yeah. So today we save into our 401k, IRA, 403b, 457, whatever it may be to get tax savings immediately. Yeah. If I make 100 grand today, I put 10 grand into a 401, I'm only taxed on 90,000. Yep. In this bucket, if I make 100 grand, I put 10 grand in, I'm still taxed on 100 grand this year. But now fast forward 25 years. Yep. Now we're taking money out. All those IRA and 401k dollars are taxed at whatever tax bracket you're in at that yeah. time. People ask all the time, what's my retirement tax bracket? There, there is no retirement know. tax yeah. bracket. Yeah. It's whatever your, your tax bracket exactly. is at the time. So the tax-free bucket or the, the buffer bucket, now we're pulling tax-free dollars out. So this is a way to control so your you, tax bracket yes, in the future. Yes, you're paying the taxes where you are today, Correct. not where you will be. Um, and chances are taxes don't really go down. I haven't seen. So chances are no matter what you're going to, you're going to be paying more later. Most likely, most likely, most likely. Greg, what about, um, uh, indexed ULs? What about IULs? Yeah. Um, at the core, they, they're structured. They're very good policies. I think a lot of times they're positioned incorrectly, um, and can be utilized, but there is a little bit more risk that's associated with them. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the sequence of returns risk before with when you're retiring, you take money out early downturns have a big impact on the longevity of dollars. If I'm 30 years into retirement and I see a downturn, obviously it's going to impact you, but most likely you'll still be okay. And the longevity of your dollars will be okay with indexed universal life. It's the same conversation. So we look at an illustration. It says 6% return every single year. Great. Do I think you'll average more than six? Probably. But what that's showing is what's we refer to as a linear 6%, which means six, 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 six every single year. But IULs are, are returns are mainly comprised of caps and floors. And what that means is when you're investing in here, they're going to let you uh, return a certain amount, let's say 10%, anything over the company keeps. So then on the downside, if you get a 0% return, you don't lose any money. So that's where a lot of the conversations stop. But the real uh, statement is you don't lose money due to market exposure. You still lose a lot of money due to fees and expenses inside of the policy. So depending on when you see that downturn, and honestly, Elizabeth, if you want to have another 45 minute to <laughs> six hour conversation, we could this get more into it. that, but yeah. I'm going to keep it really high okay. level for now. Okay. So when you have these caps and floors and you get a zero in some policies, you're still going down by four or 5%. Yeah. So if that happens and we're capped, 
it might take you two or three years just to break even on those dollars. Yes. So if you're in an IUL and you get lucky and, and your, your segment ends at a, at a very high rate of return, you'll get a high rate of return on your policy. But the people like, for instance, that had policy anniversaries in, in March of 2020, big COVID crash. Yeah. Not looking so good. Not looking so a good. A month before. Yeah. Policies look better. So, right? the, so it's all about timing and not as, as safe as, as they're, they're meant to believe. That's great information. And we should, we should talk more about that. Cause that sounds like something that we need to, we need to shed some light on it. Yeah. Will. Yeah. So not a strategy you use when you're building a buffer. No. And, and again, I do use those products in certain cases. Yeah. Um, I just think for this particular strategy, the mechanics of the product just aren't there. Right there. You do have more upside potential mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. but for what we're trying to build in this, mm-hmm. let's get our upside potential in our investments. Let them do what they're supposed to do. Yep. Use this for not only your protection, yep. you want to know it's there with guarantees, but also building that buffer asset that is very, very predictable. Very predictable. That's what we want out of this. We want peace of mind. Correct. So before we wrap up, Greg, just why wouldn't, why wouldn't somebody do this or, or what are you up against? Yeah. What, is there a fear here? So I think it's a couple things and we definitely touched on some of them. Mm-hmm. Number one is unaware or misinformed. Okay. Again, it's just not even knowing that it's possible. And like your reaction in the beginning, using life insurance as an investment, like what do you, that's crazy. It's crazy. Talk. A lot of people say that's crazy yeah. talk. Um, but it, it's something that can be a part of your portfolio when positioned properly and yes. when utilized properly yes. where people get into uh, fear of this is when they were told one thing of how something was going to work. I'm obviously being very vague mm-hmm. and then it didn't work in that particular manner. Mm-hmm. So again, educating and understanding the why and the how behind it and knowing what we're looking to accomplish, but mainly just getting more educated about it. And that's what obviously we talk about. Second one kind of is said again before is the stigma just like the stigma of whole life in general. Mm. But again, these products really have changed over the years and, and they've really been a lot more focused, especially after the big change in beginning of 2022 with the tax code for insurance products, much more cash value accumulation focused. Mm-hmm. But again, it's setting the right expectations and knowing the why. I promise you're never going to get a 25% rate of return, mm-hmm. but that's not the point. Mm-hmm. The last few are balance. Do I pay off my debt? Oh, do I yeah. save for college? Yes. Do I save for this? Do I save for that? What do I do? Yes. And I will say what, one of the nice things about this is that you could earmark it for one specific purpose, like building a buffer in retirement. Yep. But if you're 10 grand behind on college and you want to pay your, your daughter's college tuition, you could take 10 grand from yourself. And again, either pay yourself pay back, back. Yep. or don't. Yep. Right. So it's very flexible there. And the last two people think it's too late. Right. Mm-hmm. We talked about that 55 yeah, year old, 56 so year old, much, but yeah. it's really never too never late, Never too late, especially if you're not retiring until a little later, yes. but there's, there's always most of the time a way to, to yes. build out something. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah. And, and really that's, that's a lot of the conversations we have it's yeah. just too late or they, they just don't think it's worth it. And I would imagine Greg, those are phenomenal benefits and really difficult to argue with. This isn't something you should try to go alone. No. No, again, I, I always encourage people to do as much research as they can. Yeah. But the hardest part about doing research on these topics are finding is what's fact and what's opinion. Yes. Out there. And unfortunately, there's a lot, there's of, a opinion. lot of opinion. And I obviously have my own opinions as well about things. Yeah. But I base a lot of my opinions about this on facts about the products. Yes. And and again, just understanding the true mechanics and behind the behind everything of the why 
is really why I'm here and to make sure that you do understand. And yes. if you are educated, understand and don't think it fits, that's fine too. Yes. You know, that, that, yes. that happens too. And working with a professional like yourself, a yeah. financial advisor is just part of that education yeah. that should not be overlooked. So going to an advisor just to implement probably isn't in best interest, right? Get, get information, come with your values, come with your goals and make Definitely. a decision together. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I know we're still working on it, but I think I, I'm actually hosting a, a seminar that's going to be open to the public in the next couple of months Amazing. Um, on this topic and getting a lot more granular into looking at some visuals. And so I'll definitely let you know when that happens yes. and, and we could get it you know, blasted out to everybody. So if anybody wants to learn more and get on the Yes. Yes. Everyone keep checking the Barnum Financial Group website, barnumfinancialgroup.com for information on that. But that's wonderful, Greg. Um, It's been amazing having you on. I love this conversation. Thank you for all the great work you do in this space and for making sure that we all can maintain financial security. Thank you for having me, Elizabeth. I would love to come back sometime. Oh, my pleasure, Greg. Thank you for listening to Master Your Money. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Every little bit helps. You can also follow us on our Instagram at Barnum Financial Group. If you're interested in connecting or working with a financial advisor at the Barnum Financial Group, the links are in the show notes of this episode. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you you should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC, member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.